Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. Uh, we've got a fun show for you today. Uh, obviously, you're probably thinking, where's the American guy? He's the, not, normally the host. Why is Terry presenting? Jerry is not available today, so it is me and James. We're going to basically do the normal show for you, the normal rundown, the normal format. You're going to get two segments and a little quiz at the end. We're not going to leave you uh, empty-handed. We're going to first talk about the Watford game, Watford's extra time, and how we felt about that. You know, a spoiler alert, a last-minute win for the Blues away from home. How often do we get to talk about one of them? Um, after that, we're going to go on to the Europa League and comments from Carlo Magnifico saying the club should be looking to qualify for the Europa League next season and talk about what we think of it is do we agree with them is it you know a, you know a poison chalice is it more of a problem than a, than a good thing all the pros and cons and then for those podcast listeners we're going to do um, a quiz but it won't be the normal quiz of you know one versus the other it'll be a lightning round quiz we'll learn a little bit more about James and before we get into all that I'm just going to have a little uh, Little chats, here, you know, catch up a little bit. You're okay, mate. How, how's it going? Um, been, did you watch watch anything like watch the Baftas last night? Did you see any of the any of the films that won? We know everyone on the top of is a big film fan, but how's it going? I've I've seen a few of the films that did very well. It is the big shame is that I've never got to see the Super Bowl to be honest because I was in work this morning. So I've I've still got that taped and going to watch that back. I do like the American football, but unfortunately I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so it's like basically supporting the Everton of the NFL. Well, I've, um, I've said in the past to Jerry, I, I don't watch American football. I think I'd like it if I ever got into it, and I probably will at some point. But I'm going to be horrible, and I'm, if, I, if I'm supporting Everton... Me do not support the Patriots. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh come I, on, mate! I got that same reaction from Jerry as well. If I watch that watching American football, I am gonna pick the best team and support them because I'm not doing Everton in more than one sport. It, one is enough. I'm does gonna Jerry, go and does Jerry follow the Panthers. Then does he? Oh, good question. He's gonna be upset if I don't for me not remembering. But I know we. I don't know. Don't remember who he supports. But it's, he 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 looked. He reacted with similar scorn when I said, "If I'm gonna watch American football." I'm going to support the Patriots. If I'm watching baseball, I'm supporting the Yankees. I'm going to pick the winning team because I suffer enough with football. I don't need that in other sports. See, I'm I'm the opposite. I I empathise with the teams that are being depressed in respective sports. <laughs> so <laughs> I follow the Miami Dolphins and in, in the, all the other leagues. I follow like I follow Torino in Italy. Teams like that. I follow <laughs> like. Teams who were like struggling at the foot of every table, it seems. No, I, I, my, I pour everything into Everton and they frustrate me no end. So I'm going to just, uh, if I'm watching other sports, I'm going to put my feet up and watch the team that wins every game. <laughs> no, I think my, my entire life in sports is just like a self inflicted life sentence. <laughs> I know a lot of people like that, though, who pick like similar um, underdog sort of teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, the like I'm sure it applies to teams who you know support the you know the, the big winners all the time. They must do that with other sports as well. But people tend to gravitate towards similar sort of you know uh, mold teams to the ones they support in other in other sports. But that's not me. I football is my love, and Everton are my love. So if I go if I take a vacation or a holiday in another sport, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for all inclusive. I'm gonna go five star. I'm not I'm not putting up with anything. I'm gonna just win every game I watch. But um, yeah, I just picked the fallen giants in every sport <laughs> that I follow. It definitely would be more satisfying to see one of them win than it would be, you know, a soulless type of club or a soulless team. You just, you know, the fans are spoiled and don't know any hardship. I mean, let's be honest, you get that in football as well, where, you know, you get Man United fans putting pictures of Old Trafford behind barbed wire when they're in fifth. And (laughs) And throwing throwing flares at Ed Woodward. Yeah. (laughs) I know, there's different types of people as supporters, let's be honest, but yeah. Yeah, we think Everton are doing badly. The Miami Dolphins haven't been to a Super Bowl for 35 years. Right. Who was in it this year? It was um, 49ers, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs who won. And I don't know if you've read Donald Trump's tweets today. Yeah, yeah he, he got the state wrong, didn't he? Um, he did, yeah. To be honest, as bad as he is, I would have assumed... I mean, I was about to say I would have assumed Kansas are in Kansas, but... There is a Kansas City in Kansas Yeah. As well. I would have assumed that, but then when I think about it, I'm going, yeah, but you're not the president of America, so it's all right for you not to know. It's not all right for him not to know. <laughs> yeah, he's the president of the United States of America, one of one of which United States is the state of Kansas and the state of... What was actually the state which Kansas City was in? Missouri. Missouri, that's the one, yeah. See, yeah. I'm allowed to not know this. Yeah, well, to be honest, Donald Trump, the more I hear about that guy, the less I like him. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why that'd be. I know. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. We'll get a uh, get into the Everton talk now. Um, just a quick uh, recap for anyone. Um, we're going to do Watford extra time. Um, the Europa League discussion and the quiz. So yeah. So well, further ado, Terry. Almost did you enjoy Saturday? I enjoyed um, certain parts of it. There was a lot of the game I wasn't really enjoying it, but the uh, the result was brilliant. The, the manner in which we came back as well was was fantastic. It was made up. I think I said in my match reaction on Saturday, it's that kind of game, that kind of drama at the end, and it actually going in our favour. When's the last time we actually enjoyed something quite like that? No, I know. Yeah, the the thing is, I was saying this uh, to me mate after the game. The, every team has games where they don't play well, but some teams can get results out of that. As we couldn't for the longest time, though. So for the, for literally a, a couple of years now, I think it was thirty six games. Every time, best part of a season's worth of games. Every time we went behind, that was it. We might as well rub the game off. So it was such a refreshing change to see a little bit of little bit of steel, a little bit of resilience um, to. You know, to turn things around, you know, with things going against them as well with the red cards. And um, just brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. I don't think anyone expected it because they'd got so used to how things had been going. And um, yeah, the, the the manner of the turnaround was very pleasing. It's it's uh, 
it shows that there's been not just a change in in like style under Ancelotti, but also in mentality and, and, and just what is football, mate, after after conceding the goals against Newcastle like we did, to go and then score three stoppage time goals, two in the first half and one in the second half. It's just it's just mad. It's absolutely mad. You couldn't it have... is, you, it's, it's surreal like, but and I think it just shows the ups and downs. I mean, I found with Everton it's been too many downs and not enough ups. And I mean, obviously we haven't won anything, but in the general sense of things, like there was more bad games than good games where the drama would be going against us maybe more than what we had on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I when we scored that double in the first half stoppage time, I just literally just laughed. I was like, how how is Have we got away with this? Yeah, we were we were awful in the first half and we were really good against Newcastle, but it's gone two opposite ways. It's just like it, it's just unpredictable football, isn't it? And then when the sending off happened, I was just like, right, just get out of dodge with a point now, just shut up shop. But honestly, I don't think I'll have been alone in thinking probably not gonna happen. I could see, you know, like the tired turn and if it had been at Goodison I would have been confident to get something, but here away from home, going off what we've been like so recently. I was like, nah, this is this is good. We're going to be looking to get the point here if we, uh, you know. We, I, I was actually quite confident we'd get the draw, but there's no way I thought we were going to win. No, to be honest, when we when Walcott scored, I was uh, still thinking, okay, just don't concede, just don't concede. We've been we've been oh. so traumatized oh, by this. I, I I did that myself. Once we scored, I was like, please, 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 hold on. Like, I was like screeching like a banshee when the ball was bobbling round and our box and eventually I think Michael Keane just levered it away and the final whistle went. Yeah, honestly, I, I was, I was, it was just so professional feeling to have gone away from all, gone a goal down and not to have lost. It'd been so long since we've actually got any win away from all, never mind what we've been up against the Bears, but credit to the players, they all came out, um, well, Walcott came out after the game and said they'd all been working on this, um, you know, this togetherness, this team spirit, which, you know, despite having some, you know, quality players, that's clearly been absent for a while. Um, the sort of, I don't know, the bonds between the players. And he said, oh, no, it's come out in the Athletic as well this week that, um, you know, the players themselves organised like a team bond and meal and stuff like that. That's brilliant to hear. Yeah, I was made up when I read that. I was like, that's what you need. That You can have the best players in the world. You need that, though. That's the foundation. And it's clearly been so devoid over the last couple of years. Just because of the high turnover of players, I think it takes that I long. Think that's, I think that is a big factor in that. Yeah, it, t- it takes long, a long time to build that up. Um, and when you're changing players as often as we have, not to say I didn't want us to do it, but you do lose that. And now, I think, you know, even when we do make more, you know, do more recruitments in the summer. I don't think it'll be wholesale changes. I think it'll be trim some of the dead wood and add a couple more. I don't think it'll be like, you know, seven in, seven out again. I think it'll be three in and, you know, probably... And seven out. Yeah, and seven out, 17 out, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. There will but, be a um, lot of outs, I think, this summer. And... Yeah. But, like you say, I don't think there'll be many coming in. I think we'll be talking maybe three or four. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, that, that Brand said that himself last summer. He said once this big recruitment drive last summer's done, he wants to just add you know little bits and pieces to improve as he goes. And um, the the more the team is set, they're settled, and the more they get used to each other, and the the better 
you know, team spirit and understanding they, they sort of generate, cultivate, then the better the team will be. I was made up when we scored that goal, not just because we scored the goal, but when you saw all the players running up the line, I was like, yes, I, I'm all for all that. When you saw like Awobi and Calvert-Lewin that running from the bench with their coats on, they'd been subbed off and ran up to celebrate with them um, in front of the fans. And I was just like, that is what you need. That's what's been missing. And I was that, so angry. That's exactly what's been missing. And I think what's really interesting is that we always remember the David Moyes teams as be having this brilliant team spirit. And when you think about it, that's probably the reason why, because we couldn't afford to make new signings at the time, so we had no choice but to stick with the same team half the time. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably what... We did have a very consistent squad over about six or seven years that very rarely changed, and maybe that's why there ended up being that sort of togetherness that we associated with the Moyes era. All the best teams have got that, and all the worst teams haven't. You can, you can look at one extreme... Of um, you know, sorry, but this Liverpool team, the Man City teams, the last couple of years, they've all they're all got fabulous players, but they've all got that in spades, that togetherness. And then if you look at the other extreme, do you remember the old QPR teams where they brought in eleven players in one summer and they went down? They had quality all like the low the they brought in like lower Kremi, didn't they? And a few yeah. of the big names. Yeah. Rio Ferdinand came in after he left United, didn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure whether it was a little bit earlier than that, but they basically brought in about 11 new players and it was, you know, quality all over the pitch, you know, individually on paper, but they had no no togetherness, no team spirit and they basically couldn't gel as a team. They didn't, it was like a team of strangers and we've, over the last couple of summers, done so much, you know, recycling of players that only now I think we're in a position to sort of change small amounts each summer and improve, you know... Gradually, and we've done, we've hoped, or now we've done our wholesale changes because we were meant to have done it under Walsh and Koeman. Obviously, that was a disaster. Then we had to correct that and do it all over again. But now, with a lot of the young players, hopefully we can build up from there. And, you know, the, this could be, I don't want to overstate the result, but this could be the first, you know, brick towards building that. Not because of the results, but the manner of the result, the resilience, the sort of togetherness. The... That needs to be there if you're going yeah. to move forward. Yeah, the fact that we not only were two goals down, but we went a man down with quite a bit of the game left. We were away from home with a team who've beat us a lot um, at their ground in recent years. But yes, that's uh, it. I found out we, had, we hadn't actually won at Watford since 2007 until Saturday. No, we, we, we had a good record against them at home. I could have soon, but Paul yeah. from home. But now we've played them this season three times and beat them three times. So uh, with any luck, we won't be playing them again for a long time either. I mean, there's a lot of been a lot about about that sort of the mini rivalry, if you like. I mean, people scoff at it, but do people? What is it? People have gone against Watford. <laughs> is it just the plastic snakes? Uh you know what. It was it was everything. There was the the just took it so badly when we took silver off them. And then Richarlison as well. Well, they were paid quite a lot for Richarlison, and frankly, we did them a favour by taking silver. It's now come to pass, so they should be should they give us a guard of honour going on the pitch for taking silver off them? Well, obviously, yeah. we 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 tried to pay them to take it. They got they shafted themselves by trying to price us out, and then we shafted ourselves by having to pay them off. Yeah, they'd have to pick a new fake rival in the championship, though, I think. So, 
Well, well, got, oh, oh, then again, I was, I was going to say they've got Luton, but it looks like Luton are going down to League One, so um, maybe not. Oh, uh, well, eh? Yeah, but there has been that sort of rivalry, of course. We've had Watford Graham. We've had plenty of uh, characters popping up on Twitter in the last couple of days. Yeah. And obviously there's the guy who got very upset over Yeti Mina throwing a few shapes. And... <laughs> no, the funny was... thing about him, he was moaning because Yeti Mina danced in front of their fans. That Pereira celebrated in front of the Everton fans first. Like, what do you want? I bet you loved it when he did it. That's it. It's I... just all fans in it. But that, that's it, it's fickle, isn't it? And up, but also, it's. I think it's just the heat of the moment when people say things like that. But of course, it is box office on Twitter. Yeah. And, and I think this weekend, more than most, we saw that. But back to the game anyway. What did you make of the performance? It wasn't the best, was it? No, it was. Uh, it wasn't, frankly. The. The performance in the first half was dire. It was absolutely criminal that we got in half time. Um, Not getting whacked. Yeah, we're, we're drawing, but it was it was similar to um, the way the full game went for Newcastle um, against us. Awful all game, completely not involved, and then two moments of madness in stoppage time, and they conceded two goals. Now, when we came out in the second half, we were much much better, had much better control of the ball. Um, we're pressing Watford back. Watford was struggling to create anything. Now, towards the time of the red card, just before that, the it sort of evened out a little bit again. We start, you know, we weren't as yet commanding at that point. Our spell had passed, and I was like, I was worried going, oh, I worry if that's our spell, and we haven't scored in it. And then Watford's going to come back into it now because they're the home team. And then when Delph got sent off, for what is frankly... You know, you can say whether you, whether it's harsh or not. He's just, it's just, he's just brain dead. Well, well was... I, I said that on my last reaction. I said, the two, both of his bookings, like, well, the second one certainly was very soft. But he's an experienced player. He shouldn't be giving referees that decision to make, especially not when the home crowd's baying for blood. He's He's been brought in to bring leadership and experience, and he doesn't bring... He does either. the opposite. Yeah, it's I, I I would trust him probably one of the least in in like high pressure situations and games just because he's you know he's cost us goals in the previous games he's cost us a goal at West Ham with the pre kick cost us a goal um, with the Newcastle game where he was you know they only had to you know keep hold of it and he just punts it twenty yards practically up in the air cost us a goal the, the second goal for Watford that's three games in a row it's cost us a goal. And he's got sent off for a silly, you know, brainless foul. He needs to settle, settle his head down, Delph, because... I think Jordan Pickford's a bit like that as well. I do not think he's just a bit too much of a loose cannon. I, you know what? I'm not a big fan of Pickford at the minute, but I don't think Pickford's as bad as Delph for that. No. Like, Everyone like, talks about Pickford. Pickford does do it, but not as consistently as Delph does. No, Delph's constantly... Drawing battle lines with himself more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's to be honest though, he, he has come out and apologised since for it, and you know he's got away with it this time because the results been positive, whereas it wasn't with Newcastle. So, you know, we'll see. But he, he needs to he needs to cut that out because he's he's the he's been brought in to be that level heads, that professional who can sort of rub off on the young players. We've got a lot of you know young players coming through. It's like. I would trust Moise Keane, the youngest player on the pitch, in a more than him. 
more than him, and he's the most experienced, and that's just it's just after, isn't it? But yeah, so I, tru- I trust most of our youngest players more than most of our over twenty sevens, if you like. Yeah, just mad, really, isn't it? But to be honest, when he went off, I feared the worst. I thought, oh, this is going to be it. Now we're going to we're going to come under a bit of pressure, and you know, Dini's going to add one in or, or what have you. And we just weathered it. We just literally dug in, weathered it. They, you know, they made a couple of chances, not majorly clear cut, and then we just got that breakaway. And um, what an assist by Moise Keane, by the way. Fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. measured that perfectly. Uh... Little no-look dummy to um, <laughs> to, to Walcott. Um, yeah, I mean, brilliant. If, if, with that fella kicking off over me and dancing, if, if Keane had scored the... Um, the winner <laughs> that, like, you know, whoa, a dance he does, or whoa, whatever it's called. I, I think I'd have ended up in orbit. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be available to do this video because I wouldn't have come back to earth yet. But, um, oh, I've been boss. yeah, I was just made up that this, the limbs in the end was fantastic. The Everton end, and then just saw out the last of the year, uh, the last minutes of the match. But I was, I was sitting on the edge of my seat watching it, going, Oh, no, come on, just get it out, just, just get this result. And yeah, yeah. I was like that, I was like. Absolutely terrified, even after we'd scored the win, what proved to be the winner. But the big question is, what happened to that lad with his trainees up in the air? <laughs> I don't know. This is just the legends of uh, the white plimsoll. Yeah, just the one. <laughs> just one leg in the air. It's just like, I love that. We've got, I love when you score those dramatic goals and just you get like the scenes like that. I've done that myself a lot of times at Goodison where. You just end up like a row in front. You go, how did they even do this? Back when I was a bit, bit, a uh, bit lighter, like, but <laughs> didn't, don't think I can do that now. Like Carlo says, but if I run, I die. It's like I felt that. Like me, <laughs> same Carlo, same. He, sp- he speaks yeah. for most fans, I think, when he says that. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think Schneiderlin's got that same thing. <laughs> well, I was funny you say that because I was going to actually just mention Schneiderlin. I mean, he gets bashed a lot, but I thought he did brilliantly when he came on against Watford. Yeah, he was he was you know he was okay. He's he's managed to move up the hate list um, the last couple of weeks. He's now you know cemented his place above Sigurdsson and and Delph now. So fair play to the lad. He's uh, he's clawing his way something. He's and to be honest, Walcott was 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 about to go into that hate relegation zone below with Schneiderlin until he scored because he was having a terrible game until he scored. Let's have it right, but you know. Snadlin's doing enough week on week now to to claw his way out. I think he'll be out the hatred relegation zone for me soon. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's bad that we're having this kind of scrap in within the team. Like, but <laughs> I, I mean, I just thought he came on and he he done a really good job. I thought he sort of screened the back four well. And what I really liked, I think I said this in the reaction when we went the goal up right at the end, he was dead calm on the ball, which is. Exactly what Tom Davis and Fabian Delph weren't against Newcastle. He held the ball. He got us. He got us a free kick rather than giving one away. He mm. got the ball down to the corner flag for Moyes Keane to run onto it. Like I thought, he dealt with the situation a lot better than the other two days against Newcastle. The thing with Schneiderlin is his problem with him has never been his decision making. It's been his commitments. It's not that yeah. he picks the wrong pass or gives it away cheaply. It's that he doesn't track or he doesn't tackle hard. Or he doesn't run. It's like. You know, he will never give the ball to someone to score, but he'll watch them run past them, and that's that's more infuriating because that's that's laziness rather than a mistake. 
but you know, fair play to him. He, he did this last season, really, didn't he? I remember thinking, you know, when the form turned round, I am with the Cardiff game and beyond that Schneiderlin has a little purple patch of form, and he really yeah. does it again. But that he looks like he's coming into a bit more stable form again. Yeah, I think when he has, when he does play well, he can be really good for us in the middle of the park. But obviously, those those days don't come around often enough. Same can be said for Sigurdsson. Yeah, if Sigurdsson plays well, that's a real boost for us. But he's been far too inconsistent, or possibly worse than that this season. The way I look at it now, um, a few people have said this about the whole situation in general but much like Rodgers with with um, when he went into Leicester I think Carlo's looking at the rest of the season as a I don't want to say an extended pre-season which others have said because there's still a lot to play for but he's using the players he's got to suss out what he's going to do going forward so he can start fresh in the summer it's more, I think it's more of an assessment than anything else but the point about Schneider, um, Sigurdsson sorry is that I think the current team, the way it's set up, I think Sigurdsson, when he plays, is playing in the sort of blueprint role as a placeholder for where Gomez is going to play. And Gomez will be better at that role than Sigurdsson because he's better at being further back on the pitch. So this team we've got, we played yesterday, um, well, whenever it was, the day before yesterday, um, this team we played, instead of Delph and Sigurdsson, you might eventually see Gomez and Gabamon, if he's real, um, playing in that role. But that Sigurdsson is definitely playing the role that Gomez will probably play when he's fit in that sort of playmaker, deep line playmaker, you know, thread things together. And I think once we get Gomez in there and he gets up back up to speed, the quality of the performances will go through the roof because the weakness in the team at the minute, as we saw in the first half, is the centre of the park. Yeah, absolutely. But the only downside to that is I think we'll see Father Christmas and Lord Lucan before we see Jean-Philippe Gabamon. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, I think well the big question I that's still sort of in my mind is after this season and we move forward, is Ancelotti going to stick with four four two? I don't know. Um, I've seen other people because obviously I'm not going to pretend to watch Napoli when he was there. I've seen other people say he's played that at Napoli. So the I think the squad does lend itself player on player. I think, you know, the, if you look at when Brands did the uh, the layout um, of the squad, the the AGM. Oh, yeah. He, he, he put it as like a blueprint of 4-4-2, which makes me think that that's... That's what Carla wants. Yeah, the, the way they're going to start looking at it, which meant we were, you know, with too many bodies in central midfield, but, you know, the quality isn't really there because of the six of them. Only one is quality and Gomez and Gabamon's a mystery and the other four. I don't think I trust any of them in a four four two for a whole season. Yeah. And on the race we've only got Walcott, so you know, if you do set up like that, we're actually quite well covered apart from right wing and you know, there's a quality issue in centre midfield. Everywhere else, pretty well pretty well stacked. I'd i bring John Joe Kerry back for next season. Would you? Yeah, well I'd that's probably a video for another day um, when he when it hits the summer. But short answer is yes, but it's not okay, not necessarily at the expense of Sadibe. Um, but I do like John Joe Kenny. I I think there's another you know topic to add there. So let's not upset John by going over one of his uh, topics for another week. Well, there you go. We'll have to leave it at that. Then, uh... <laughs> yeah, we've jumped skating too close to the, uh, the the Godfather of the Toffee Blues there, Toffee Blues John, as Jerry yeah. calls him. 
the Godfather. Well, we won't upset the Godfather. We'll leave it at that. So it's that's it for the extra time show. Watford two, Everton three. <laughs> Terry and I are going to discuss the pros and cons of the Europa League, which is now looking more and more possible for Everton as they climb their way into the race for the top six. Of course, we're discussing this because Carlo Ancelotti said today that he is hopeful that we could qualify for Europe for next season. So, on that note, what is your stance on the Europa League, Terry? Help or hindrance? It's a help. Uh, There is very few, if any, circumstances I don't want to be in Europe. At the the club, the club's status wise is it's a, we're a European club. We're too big and got too much quality in the squad to not be in Europe. If we were in, if our team, our squad were in most other leagues, they'd be in Europe every year. Financially, just on the you know the the, the cold numbers on the spreadsheet, the Europe brings in you know so More much cash. so much extra money, but it also brings in prestige for sponsors and you know you can say you I'm gonna reach all these extra eyeballs, I'm gonna, you know, have these different, you know, different pedigree. And I, I you know, notwithstanding as well, just on a pure fan level, I know we had a bit of a mess, you know, a bit of a disaster last time we were in it. But typically when we've been in the Europa League, we've been one of the stronger teams in it. And whenever we've gone out, it's always been through like, you know, bad luck, you know, penalty, you know, shootouts or you know, don't just bring one... that one up. Oh, don't bring that up. One bad like performance like in Kiev and stuff like that, and one player let you down or something like that. But we, especially when we in the Lukaku like era when we were in it, we every year I think every team like I hope I don't get Everton. We, I I think if you're an, a supporter from another country, say you're from Italy or Germany or Spain, you look at the Premier League, and you you know we do it to their leagues as well. You'd look at the top six. And despite the fact that they're not all in the Champions League, you would class them as the Champions League sort of like group of Level clubs. Yeah, and that might change over the next couple of years with Arsenal and Man United spending so long out of it. But, you know, Man United are never going to be seen as, as small. It'll take a long time for them to really have their image changed in global terms. <clears throat> but then outside of that group, you look at, well, who are the quote-unquote Europa League level clubs? And I think teams would look at our league and go, well, Everton are, Leicester are, even though Leicester haven't been in it because they won the league and had the big story, I think they sort of jumped into our category just from an outside perspective, obviously. I, done, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, they've done better than us recently and I'm not suggesting they haven't, but like from an outsider's point of view, they probably went, you know, rocketed up the, you know, perception sort of thing. I mean, going into this season, we were both spoke about on about the similar level in terms yeah. of probably being the best yeah. Shot of breaking the top six, and they haven't. We haven't yet, but it's still possible. But even without, we we've been in Europe several times, like under Moyes, under Martinez, under Koeman. It was only really, you know, this last couple of years where we've got some bad managerial choices, and we've got some, you know, poor recruitment where we've had a little spell out of it. But they, Everton are a European tier club. They've got a European tier heritage, European tier infrastructure, European tier, you know, squad. Are definitely a European tier manager now, so everything about the club suggests it it should be in Europe, and I understand that there's there's cons, you know, to being in Europe, which is the schedule and whatnot. But honestly, the, the schedule 
in compare comparison to the benefits and the the financial benefits and what have you, it's just a no brainer. The only problem we've had with Europe from a, like a downsides point of view is we've not managed it very well. We've not managed our summers going into it. You know, we've you know when we under Cumin we were poorly prepared. We didn't have enough preseason games and we were going into those qualifiers and so on. Um, we've always got players too late to have them bedded in the preseason, ready for the European games. And then because of the demands and the expectation of supporters, we've not treated the Europa League like other clubs. And we've gone for a health leather in the group stages and had a knock-on effect on our league form. When I think with a little bit more, you know, if you're a little bit more sensible, which I think Ancelotti would be, you can go, right, well, I'm going to play the league game with one team. And then I'm going to play the, you know, I'm going to rotate and, you know, I'm going to play some of the players who didn't play at the weekend in the Europa League. Not to say you'd play all the kids, but, you know, if it was this season, say, you'd see Baines, you'd see Moyes Keane start, you'd see Michael Keane start. If you started a Wobie at the weekend, you'd see Bernard. There's yeah. definitely there's enough quality, and then obviously get a, get a summer out the way, and you add a little bit more quality, and then you've got the players. And all you need to do is win your own games, and then you through the groups. And then I thought under Moyes we did it okay. I thought Moyes managed it relatively well, considering the squad was quite small. And I think Wolves, for instance, have done it quite well this year. But the worst example of it was Martinez. I think he, like you say, he went proper gung-ho. And, I mean, we got some brilliant results. I mean, Wolfsburg away, for instance. There were some really good away games, young boys. I remember some really good games where we probably didn't have to go as hell for leather, like you say, as we did, but we did. And they were some great results, but then we'd go and get beat in the league the next week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not suggesting we, you know, we do a complete, you know, play the under-23s in the Europa League, because then what's the point in getting in it? But, you know, there's definitely, you know, a, a balance you can strike. Because Marcel Brand said in the AGM, he, he likes, you know, he likes to operate with a 23-man squad, which is basically two players for every position and three goalkeepers. And then you've got room for kids. So if we if we were to get in it, we, you know, we did a bit of player recycling and improved in some positions and added some where we, you know, added the right winger, say, and... And so, and then there's still players there. You could, you know, you could. Anthony Gordon could play, and Moise Keane could play if he's not starting in the league. And it's it, European football is something Everton should be should have every single season. And this league now has become so competitive, and there's so much money in it that it's not guaranteed anymore. Where it used to be the case, where Everton, especially under David Moyes, where you could pretty much guarantee Everton were going to be in the top six. So most seasons, we were going to be in the Europa League. And if we weren't, it was because we had a bad season. Now it's changed where there's six clubs who are really strong, really financially strong, because back then Tottenham weren't very good. Back then City weren't what they are now. And then there's obviously outliers, like you know Leicester are doing really well. And so it's not guaranteed. You've got now, just to get in Europe, you've got to beat some fantastic teams in the league. You've got to finish above them. It's it's You can't finish last of the elite group and still get in Europe, you've got to have a good season to get in now. So that should always be the the goal. The the stadium, the new stadium on the docks needs European nights in it. It's something I want the club to always be in. I understand the downsides on a playing point, but that's what big clubs do. All big clubs are in Europe and they just manage it. Whereas if you're not in it, I don't ever want to get used to not being in it where, oh, when you do go in it, you know you can't handle it. I don't want to be that club. We've we've not been that club for for many years. I understand that completely. 
the most important thing for me is like we've talked about the financial side of things, the sort of prestige side of things. But for me, as a fan, I just want to go to more European games. That that as well, like you know, all all the benefits, but the biggest benefit is the supporters. How good is yeah. it going? Going to Latvia in July. Yeah, I know people like you know drag on the Europa League and say, oh, it's you know going to Russia away on a Thursday night, but. This, I want to go to Russia away on a Thursday night. I know, I know. It's one thing at a time. The overall goal would be to be in the Champions League, but you know you can't make that massive leap. You've got to go back into the Europa League and consistently, you know, do well in it and manage the schedule and so on, and then you can step to the higher level of opposition. The last time, one of the last times we were in Europe, wasn't the most recent time, but the time before I did European aways and everything. It was one of the best experiences as a fan I've ever had. It's something at the club. It's unbelievable. Needs. I've never actually been, but I've seen clips of like Bergen when we played SK Brown and things like that. I, I wish I wish they've gone some more of those. Yeah, honestly, it's it's fantastic. It's just something that Everton as a club should always strive for. I understand that people who think it's a hindrance if you're not going to win it. But I think if you, you know, if if Marcel Brands or you know Mafarad Machiri were on this uh, this Toffee Blues Skype, then I'm sure they'd say, "Oh no, no, no! We need to be in Europe, no matter what. Do we, we, if given the choice, we will always be in Europe. The only time I ever want to not be in Europe is if we don't make it. I never want to think, oh, you know, let's not finish in Europe. I think it's an absolute must for Everton. Like you say, it's. It's it's something the club needs to have, like you say, but it will help change the image of the club as well. Being in Europe on a regular basis will remind teams of the club's prestige, which I don't think people are taking enough notice of us, and understandably so, but it's still not right. You don't want to spend too long out of it because you, your perception won't change over one season to people abroad. But and and when you when I say people abroad, that also counts players abroad. Like you will genuinely, if you know, if you spend five, six, seven years out of Europe, your perception will change. Two or three years, you'll be fine. We'll still be seen as that sort of your Europa League tier team in the Premier League. But if we spend several more years out of it, then people are going to you know forget that and go, actually, they're just part of the Premier League. And we're not. We're, we're well bigger than that. I, I, I still come, struggle to come to terms with the idea that AC Milan are crap now. Because it's, but it's, they've been bad that long now that it's settled in on everyone that they're bad. And I don't I, I think like I think this AC Milan situation is painfully similar to ours. Well, I think that would be a bit harsh because they've fell from a greater height and you know, they're not as, you know, if we drew AC Milan in the Europa League, which please, please, I'd love that, because it's a massive name team we could beat, we'd, we'd, we'd murder them. That's, that's hard for me to get my head around that we're not ever, not better than AC Milan now, but it's it's probably because AC Milan have been so badly managed. And and this is this is me saying this, and, you know, tempting the universe to have a straw AC Milan and lose horribly, but if we're, I'd, I'll have that if we're in Europe. I mean, it'd be an interesting little story to have Carlo managing against them. Yeah, well, yeah, and that as well. But, yeah, he's, he's not... Carlo Ancelotti, that's another thing as well. He's not come in to just do league campaigns. He said, not only did he say about the, you know, we should be finishing the Europa League, one of the journalists asked him in his press conference before Watford, have you enjoyed having this long spell on the training ground? 
with the players to get your ideas across. And he actually said no. He said, not exactly. I like to play every three days. I've spent my most of my career playing every three days. So European game, home, you know, domestic cup, game. Cup games, we should be staying yeah. in the cups a lot longer than we are. And that's the, well, that as well. But that's the thing. I was made up to hear that answer. There's like, no, every other manager has been moaned Europe when we've been in it, especially Koeman when he got all the new players. It's like, we're not getting any time on the training ground to get them all gelled. Whereas Ancelotti is like, no, 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 big clubs play every three days and I want to play every three days. And I'm like, yes, that's the mentality I want to hear from the manager. Now, some of the things that he's said over the last month since he's been here has been so refreshing to hear after some of the absolute rubbish some of the previous managers have spouted. So that's really encouraging. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's doing well so far, isn't he? he's, he? Everything he's hitting, he's leaving the stadium. Which is, uh, it's, we're all fans to please at times, particularly as far as the managers are concerned. So He's, he's a big manager, really, and big managers um, handle things, don't they? And that's what everyone said about him, that he's got an air of calmness about him, and, and that's brilliant. That's exactly what the clubs need. And so, yeah, you, I didn't it's realise... What, it's, what, it's what the fan base has needed more than anything else. Yeah. A, a manager we can almost all get behind I mean there'll always be the odd detractor because it's Everton you know they've got yeah. few, few merchants everywhere but well it's easy know. to say you know to be you know to say it when you know the team's winning and things are going well but even if we lose it's still I think Mish- we're all still behind him yeah Mashiri got it right he said didn't he when he appointed Ancelotti that he's come to realise that this job with the expectation and the, the size of the club the expectation of the supporters it needs an older manager to front it up and to and to you know get a get a grip to it, younger managers it seems to dominate. Like the expectation gets to them. Like Silva doing the same. I mean, could you imagine if we did? You know, got Eddie Howe like everyone wants us to. He he would actually cry on the touchline. I could listen Eddie Howe. So you need. Well, that we've, we've had so many of them. We've had Silva, Martinez. Mm. I mean, well, we had Allardyce who was old, but he's the well, wrong the kind of is, old. Ironically, as 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 shit as he was, and how much I hated him as a. He handled it better than... As a personality, and he got, you know, he had levels of hatred that the, you know, most managers have not had at Everton, and he he, he fronted it better than anyone else, you know, don't don't get me wrong, you know, he was not, no one could have overcome the amount of dissatisfaction he had generated in the end, but, you know, he he handled it better than anyone else did, and it's got to be said as well, just before we go off topic completely, a big part of managing Everton is is fronting up the media, the media who don't really like us and don't really respect us and are a bit snide about us. He he, Ancelotti is the type of manager who will who will overpower that. Whereas Silva got bullied by the press, didn't he? How many times did they just like walk all the over him? They yeah. really, really, I think they, just, they really beat him down. They took the piss out of him. They didn't like him because he took Big Sam's job off him, and and they all love Big Sam. But Carlo Ancelotti is too big a name. So not only is he a common influence on the club and the dressing room and the supporters... If, if the media bash Carlo, Carlo can bash back harder. Yeah, he's too... And, he's and, too and he did, he, he stuck it to Sky Sports and that transfer talk, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, so it, that's the kind of manager you want. And if he says we should be in Europe, I, I agree with him. I think the Echo ran an article today, which actually, for once, as far as the Echo can say, it actually was right behind what they were saying. Ancelotti's the first manager probably since the early stages of Martinez who the fans have actually made up a, a number of songs for. 
yeah. says a lot about whether the fans are behind the management. Yeah, and you've got to remember as well, Martinez was coming into an established team of a manager who was, you know, mostly well liked. Uh, David Moyes, he'd gone, you know, he'd gone to Man United, he'd, he'd moved up. That's how well he'd done at the club. Whereas Ancelotti's come into much harder scenario, much harder circumstances because he's not got to settle the team. He's not, you know, got a fan base who are willing for something fresh and new. That a fan base who, you know, we, he's come into a fan base which are quite jaded and frustrated, and he's just got to grips with it. But that's because he's a big manager. He's, he don't manage Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, AC Milan, all these clubs, and get cowed by fans. You know, as bad as Everton fans can be, ask the Real Madrid fans. They're ridiculous, like some of the things they do. Oh, yeah, well, we've seen it, haven't we? I mean, Barcelona and all that. But at the end of the day, the situation Carlo's come into is actually not that different to what Moy's come into in 2002. Yeah, I can sort. Of, yeah, I can see that. But it was I, an age, aging squad. Like I, you say, it was a lot of the times a bit of a group of strangers. I think Moyes adds more work to do in the transfer market, but but I can see what you mean. Like that's the, dis- the disarray. The club was yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. The sort of we had players on stupidly high wages who weren't contributing anywhere near enough. Especially the fans. Moyes came into a more frustrated fan base than most because of the nineties and whatnot, and. And it was the same. It's the same with Smith Carlo. Just, Smith just got the sack as well. Yeah, but anyway, again, we're good. Godfather John will be here going. You're doing another video. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point we're trying to make is onwards and upwards, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So without without Jerry here, we we we, we sort of drift. But uh, yeah, Europe. But before we move on, big question: Will we qualify for the Europa League? Don't know. It's impossible to, to. I'd like to say yes, but the reason this league's so tight is because no one other than Liverpool can put any consistency together. Everyone looks at their next six games and thinks, well, we could get nine points out of there or whatever, and then they might get one. Or, they, you know, it's just that's why there's no dead men at the bottom of the Premier League. And that's why you can be a couple, couple of points off um, fifth or fourth. And then lose two games and still be there because no one else is winning either. It's such a strange, you know, strange makeup of the league. So I, I think we should. I think it's more about the home games if we can win most win, of our win the home of, games, win the most of our rest of our own games, and we'll be we'll be fine. But it, you, we need to cut out the things we did against Newcastle and throwing away points where we are playing well. Like we're going to drop points when we don't play well. We shouldn't be dropping points when we do play well. So. I hope we can. I hope we can, but it's just a f- you'd be foolish to try and predict this league. We could go and beat Man City, but then lose to Norwich. It's just a mad league. I think we're going to win absolutely every game. <laughs> we're going to finish in the. We're going to finish third. We're going to then we're going to win the league next season. Yeah, and the Grand National. Yeah, and the X Factor. Throw that in there for good measure. So there you have it. That's the Europa League discussion over with. <laughs> Right, so a bit of a change of a change of pace with the quiz this week. I'm going to do a lightning round quiz with James. I won't be getting um, quizzed or interviews or anything like that, and they'll be. It's refreshing for you, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's it's. I'm stepping into Jerry's shoes this week, and I'm going to be asking the questions. So, if I could just please have a intense quiz music here. Ah, there it is. It's very intense. Oh man. 
Right, I've got here 20 questions that I want you to answer, and they're no trick questions. It's gonna, Some are going to be Everton-related, some won't be Everton-related. Uh-oh. I just want you to answer as quick as you can. Like, one, you know, first answers, no, not much thinking about it, if you can. And then at the end, you'll pick the song to see us out, because there'll be no winners. We're all winners in this, uh, in this quiz. We're all winners this weekend, mate. Yeah, definitely. Right, so, are we ready? Go on then. Okay, three, two, one. Your first Everton game you ever attended? West Brom 2006, Dunk's last game. Your favourite ever Everton player? Kale. Your favourite Everton game? Ooh. Three nil Derby 2006. Very good. Uh, your favourite Everton home kit? Don't have to give the year, Mo- just to drive it. Moises last season, the Nike one, 12-13. Your favourite Everton away kit? The year before, that the 11-12, the gold one. Very good. Your favourite film? Joker. Your favourite TV show? It's funny we're on this show of all things, Question of Sport. <laughs> Your favourite musician or band? Fleetwood Mac. Very good. The, your favourite gig or festival that you've been to, providing you have been to one, I'm making an assumption there. Been to a gig. Couple of, been to a couple of gigs. Blossoms. Your favourite book? Not much of a reader, to be honest with you. I'd probably go with highs, lows, and back of Yoko. It's just right behind me. Very good. Your favourite breakfast food? I was going to say your favourite breakfast there. That's, that's a bit no, better. No, no. I don't know. Uh, it's got to be a full English, hasn't it? Very good. Your favourite dinner food? So that's just dinner. Your favourite food? What for a lasagna? Can't go wrong with a lasagna. Your favourite place to go on holiday slash vacation for the uh, for the non UK listeners? <laughs> uh, Cyprus. Good. Tea or coffee? Tea. Was an easy Pine- one. Pineapple on or pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Absolutely yes. Oh my God. He's wondering, what, he's wondering what he's doing on this program. <laughs> Your favourite animal? Dolphin. A starter or a dessert kind of guy? Starter. Marvel or DC? DC. I won't go down well with you, given what's behind you. I like it all. I like it all. Um, your favourite other sports, if any? Mm. Tennis. And finally, who is worse, Nias or Martina? Yes. Very good. Uh, I didn't agree with a lot of them with you there. That's a lot of differences, but some of them I did, especially that last one. Uh, yeah. yeah, see, it's interesting because Kuko Marty could score that goal with the outside of his foot against Arsenal. He must have a bit of ability here and there. Nias yeah, is just... Nias uh, can fall over and head it, with the go- with the, head it in the goal as he hits the floor. Yeah, that, that's just Nias in a nutshell, isn't it? I know. Um, well... 
very good. We've learned a little bit more about you. Plenty, uh, it seems. <laughs> more than I wanted to know sometimes. But um, oh, pineapple on pizza, what is wrong with you? I'm just, I'm just going to Bella Domino's now. <laughs> oh, Extra pineapple. Terrible. Uh, right, so to see out the show, um, you, could you please pick a song that you would like to um, see out the, the rest of the podcast? Well, you're asking me favourite band here, so I'll go with Fleetwood Mac, Seven Wonders. Very good, Fleetwood Mac, Seven Wonders. And in order to make it legal, we need to discuss a little bit about the song, um, because then we're allowed to use it. Uh, is there anything you can really tell us about the song, why you picked that, is, you know, anything... It's interesting. It was um, it was off Tango in the Night, obviously, which is like it's my favourite Fleetwood Mac album anyway. And also, it was the Fleetwood Mac album that was released around the same time Everton last won the league. <laughs> All right. So there's a little bit of a connection in there, here and there. But maybe if we play it now, we'll have a you know a similar impact. I doubt it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we take some doing. But well, funnily enough, the year after it came out. Uh, Wayne Clark scored that goal in the derby, so hopefully we can repeat that trick. Yeah, that, that, that's the win, win the league, but they're not getting they're not beating us at Goodison. That's um, that's even less realistic. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, as we listen to Fleetwood Max Seven Wonders, um, I'm just going to say thank you very much for listening to the Toffee Blues podcast. Um, hope we've been able stand-ins for the usual host of Jerry. Um, if you liked what you've heard, obviously please go to our YouTube channel and all the segments will be up there in video format. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and yeah, that's it. Is there anything else to plug for you? Or, yeah, thank you very much for watching, listening and wherever you've, uh, wherever you've consumed the Toffee Blues. Oh no, no, we've we've got to go. Right, got to go. Thank you very much for listening to the Topic Blues. We'll see you guys.